0: Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. This is our fourth week in a series in which we're asking difficult questions that society asks about Christianity. And some of those difficult questions might be ones that you have struggled with. Maybe either in the past or maybe you're currently struggling with some questions that, that, that have just kind of touched your heart. We've talked about a lot of different things. Why is the Bible so restrictive? Why, why should I believe that God exists? Why should I follow Jesus? And, and this week I really felt in my heart that we, we need to an, answer this difficult question that has impacted so many of us in our lives. is Why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow evil to be even here? Do you believe that God is all powerful just to wipe out evil? Yes. Amen. Amen. I do. So why is it here? And those are difficult questions. And I, and I think it's important that as a church we dis- we're willing to discuss difficult questions. Amen. It's important that we, even, even if we don't know the answers, right. at least get them on the table. Don't let it be the elephant in the room that no one's willing to discuss. Let, let's start discussing it. Even if we don't have the answers, let's talk, start talking about it in a, in a Christian, in a healthy format. Because guess what? People outside the church are. So let's, let's us discuss it. The entire series is designed to challenge some of those unbeliefs, so those questions that we might have about God. Today, I want to discuss the idea why does God allow evil and suffering? Why does God allow the death of a small child? I did a funeral when I was in Visalia, a four-year-old little boy. Why? I did a funeral here of a 22-year-old boy. Why? Why does God allow that to happen? Why, does, why do people have to suffer with incurable diseases? or with this, why, why does God even allow that to happen? Why does God allow people to go hungry? Why are there people, in, in, in not just in America, but in other countries that don't have enough food? Why? Today's topic is not, and I want you to just clarify this, today's topic is not addressing why God allows bad things to happen to, I was going to say stupid people, but people who make stupid decisions, because God loves all people, so there you go. You see, God did not create us, create us as robots not to have free will. We have free will. We've been created with a free will, and if we want to make stupid decisions, then guess what? There are consequences for those decisions. If, if you don't understand why you had to declare bankruptcy, because your debt ratio to your income is at 70%, well, you're going to, need to get some help in there. Guess what? That's going to happen. Don't blame God for financial problems that you created. If you went to jail because you were drinking and driving, that's not God's problem. That's yours. Now, can God redeem the situation? 100%. We have a graceful God. He can take those things that were meant for evil and turn them around for good. But let's let's start getting out of the stupid decisions that we make. That's when we need to follow after Jesus. But every day we're presented with choices in life. Making good decisions or making bad decisions will naturally impact your future. Do you know that? Let me say it again. Making good decisions or making bad decisions will impact your future. It will. How do you, what your, How are your decisions being made? I I share this, and I, I, I'm. I, if I'm stepping on toes, I don't apologize. Because um, sometimes the pastor needs to step on toes. I've had people ask me, Pastor Tom, and this is not. Please don't take this as a prideful statement, because I sometimes I don't know how. I had to look back and go, how did? How did we raise three kids that love Jesus? How did that happen? <laughs> Because we love Jesus, okay, that sounds really s- simple. But if you want your kids to follow Jesus, then it requires that you follow Jesus. If you want your church, if you want your kids to love church, then it requires that you love church. You see, decisions that are made. It wasn't Annette and I aren't some brilliant people. We, we're really not. We we just happen to love God. And we we and we never brought problems home in our we never brought the problems of the church home. We just never did. We love the church. You know why we love the church? Because Jesus loved the church as the bride of Christ. I'm called to love the church. And all of a sudden what happens is the decisions that we make today impact the future of tomorrow. So my word to you, man, let's make good decisions. And and I share all that because the topic that we're talking about today is not why does suffering, or we're talking about why suffering and evil happens, not because of our decisions, but of the things that we just go like, why, God? Why do you allow that? Can't blame God when we are unwilling to make right decisions, even if they're tough decisions. Doesn't mean that God can't redeem mistakes, and you need to hear that. For some of you right now, you need to hear that again. God redeems mistakes. He's a redemptive God. He has an abundance of grace. But sometimes the decisions that we make require a longer road to travel. So let's get on the right roads. The remainder of our time today, I want to discuss this topic. Why does God allow evil and suffering to exist? We find some encouraging words written by Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, And if you've ever read Ecclesiastes, you know that I'm being facetious right now. These aren't very encouraging, but I still felt like we needed to read God's word in every way because I think it penetrates and and tackles difficult subjects. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 2 and 3, Solomon writes, "...the same destiny ultimately awaits everyone. Whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, ceremonially clean or unclean, religious or irreligious... Good people receive the same treatment as sinners. And people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. It seems so wrong that everyone under the sun suffers the same fate. Have you ever looked and wondered on situations before where you go like God I don't understand. I'm serving you, I'm loving you, I'm giving faithfully. How does my neighbor Sam go out and buy a new jaguar and how does he have all these different things and how does he live in life like and yet he is the the just that person that that is so mean and hate filled how god and this is kind of what Solomon writes he says why god is he's talking about death solomon is why does death fall upon us all in the same way why why is that god Calling me right now? I don't know. How does it seem like we suffer similar fates? At the end of the book of Solomon, if you've read the book before, it concludes that our best course is to fear God and obey his commands and basically leave it in God's hands. And I share this passage of Scripture because without Jesus, life on this earth sometimes seems meaningless. Sometimes it doesn't have a purpose. Life can be extremely disappointing at times. I, trust me, it's going to get better, so just hang in with me for a second. It's important to understand that life on this earth is not always fair, and there are things that happen that we don't have control over. God does, but there's times we don't. And once again, it begs the question, why does God allow evil and suffering? And the first important truth that I want to share with you today is this. God's word never promises... That there won't be suffering. It's just not there. I share this because sometimes, I think some people have this idea when all of a sudden evil happens or suffering happens. Or God is breaking his promises. God is breaking his word. And, and it's just not there. God never promised that we wouldn't experience suffering in this world. In fact, it's just the opposite of that. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Peter just basically writes, he says, in comparison to heaven, guess what? This world is just a, a place of suffering. Paul writes in Romans 8.18, he says, Consider suffering in this present age. as nothing in, com- in comparison to experiencing the glory of heaven. And may I remind you today that the apostle Paul went through a lot of suffering. James states that we should count it all joy when we encounter trials of various kinds. Jesus states these words in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart i have overcome the world so the word of god has never promised that we wouldn't we wouldn't have experienced suffering in this world and i'm grateful and, and i want you to sh- i want to share something that's really important i am so grateful that i live in this time that i live in this place every one of you should be grateful Every one of you should be thanking God for the ability and where we are at at such a time. Can you imagine? You could have been born in the Middle Ages. Think about that thought. You could have been born at a different time, in a different place. I share that because at times I believe our current comfort can distract us from our future glory. At times, I feel like in our lives, our current comfort distracts us from the future glory of heaven. As a follower of Christ, do you believe in heaven? Yes. Then Pastor Tom, start acting like it. You can put your name there if you want to. Let's start acting like it. That there's a future hope. See, we can, be- we can become so comfortable in today... And it's not that we shouldn't be blessed in today. It's not that we shouldn't enjoy what God has given us to enjoy the life. But don't get so comfortable in today that you forget that there is a future in heaven. Sometimes whatever suffering that we have in this life can remind us that our life here on this earth is not perfect and it's only temporary. Thank goodness. I know that saying this doesn't make real suffering our suffering any easier. Some of you have suffered, some of you have been suffering. Some of you are suffering now. Then there are times in, in, in life where the suffering becomes so personal that in that moment it can feel like, man, God, are you there? Ever been there? Lord, am I, are you there? I'm praying, but I don't feel you." In David's experience of suffering, he writes these words in Psalms chapter 22, verse one, "My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the, wor- from the words of my groaning. You've Been there? Have you heard, have you, always, do you relate to those words at times? As Jesus hung on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, not his, Jesus cried out the words of David, Eli, Eli, Lima, Sabachini, however you say that, Sabachini. That is this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He basically quotes the very words that David had had spoken and had written in Psalms 22.1. That is so encouraging to me. Why, Pastor Tom? Because my God understands my suffering. My God understands my hurt. My God understands my pain. My God understands the emotional conflictions that we can have when we're going through all these things. My God understands. Jesus suffered for the sins of the world. Jesus knows our weakest moments, what they feel like, the physical and the emotional pain that suffering brings upon our life. It can feel like we've been abandoned. We can feel like we've been left alone alone. Where are you, God? But can I share a personal testimony with you? When I feel those times when I'm just at the most alone, if I'm willing to lean into Jesus, man, there is something beautiful that happens. And it's like those can be the times where I feel closest to God all of a sudden. Not in the beginning. I feel like, But as I continue to lean in, all of a sudden the power of his spirit, the presence of his spirit, all of a sudden comes into my life and I feel such a peace and such a comfort in the midst of trouble. The word of God is true. As we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. But it requires that we lean on Jesus. So the first truth, God's word never promises that there won't be suffering. The second truth. The existence of evil doesn't disprove the existence of God. The premise that God doesn't exist because evil is present is a faulty assumption. Just because something doesn't align to our thinking doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I'm going to say that again. I want you to catch that. Just because something doesn't align to our thinking doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. There are times that my wife and I do not agree. There are things that she says that I don't like. There are things that I say that she doesn't like. There are things that I do that she doesn't like. There are things that she does that I don't like. It doesn't mean that we don't exist. We both exist. So that whole idea because there's in society, well, because evil exists, all of a sudden, well, there can't be a God. Because evil is, do you not see the world that we live? How could there be a God when a child passes away. How could there be a God when there's people that are, they're star- that are starving? How could there be a God? Just because evil exists, it does not mean that God does not exist. I believe most of us struggle with this idea. We struggle with the idea of unjust suffering. The person who is diagnosed with that deathly disease, the child who suffers maybe from a parent's divorce or the earthquake, tornado, tsunami that wipes out a neighborhood, a town or a city. In early 2020, Um, I lost a very good friend right when COVID started. He he was one of the very first ones that got COVID. and got got immediately put on a ventilator uh, in Vegas. Pastor Paul Tricle, good friend. One of those friends that you could call at any moment, you know, and you just pick it up, right? You might not talk for a year, although we talked at least every two or three months. And we could talk about anything. You know, we could just talk about anything. And all of a sudden, I talked to him the week before on a Monday, and the following Monday, I find out he's in the hospital. I didn't even know what had happened. It was so quick, and everything had just happened. And, and, and all of a sudden, that was my last opportunity to talk to Pastor Paul. It was gone. It was, and, and it was so difficult because he was locked up in a hospital room. You know, once he went in that hospital room, he never got touched by his family for 50, 60 days. He was laying in ICU on a ventilator, and his family was not allowed to go into the room with him. I got to tell you, during those times, I started thinking, God, why? I started questioning, God, why? Pastor Paul was a good guy. He was a father. He was a grandfather. He loved his kids. He loved his grandkids. And he he was important to the church. People loved him, and he he did marriage counseling. He did all these. Why, Lord? Anybody, Anybody been there? Yeah. Why? We struggle with what we view as unjust suffering. But the question that we should ask ourselves is where do we get the idea of injustice? In fact, an argument can be made that the only way that we can comprehend the whole idea of, of, of injustice or the unjust suffering is from the morality that God has put into our lives. Think of it this way. Most of us don't look at things that happen in nature as suffering. We kind of view it's a survival of the fittest. And I know some of you ladies, when you turn on the National Geographic channel and you see the lion, all of a sudden attack the gazelle, you start to put a little tear in your eye. But for most of us, most of us, we just kind of understand the survival of the fittest, right? It's like the fly that gets caught into the spider's web. We don't want, oh my goodness, look at that spider. The, the, the sp-. Or it's like me that, Finds the spider that's occupying my bathtub. (laughs) I don't go, oh my goodness, what did I just do? The suffering that he must have went through. No, get on my bathtub. (laughs) You're not invited. But then we must ask this question why do we look at death of a woman in New York City when she was pushed into the subway? as so t- horrific. Or how about the woman in Manhattan, lower Manhattan, who was stabbed over 40 times? Why do we see these horrific crimes and there's something in us that just is it's not right? And why don't, we, why don't we view those incidents in the same way that we view what happens in nature, the survival of the fittest? Where do we get this idea of evil, in the perspective of what is just and unjust, where do we get that idea? Where does that whole idea of injustice comes from? Where does the idea of morality come from? Did we just come to that conclusion all by ourselves that all of a sudden now all of a sudden we have this just understanding, or did that understanding come from a higher power? Does that understanding come from God our Creator? In Jeremiah 17, it states, the heart is deceitful above all things. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. It seems like if it's left to our our own condition, it doesn't go well. We see this in many places around the world where goodness is sparse and evil is rampant. We see it. We need something greater than what, and I want you to catch this thought. We need something greater than what is found in the human heart to awaken our heart towards goodness. And I believe it's a touch of God that awakens our heart. It's still a choice. We still have to make the choice. Are we going to follow goodness or are we going to follow evil? And there's people that follow evil. I'm not saying that we still have to make a choice. But what touches our heart to even make to know the difference between the two? In 1 John 1, verse 5, it says, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Psalms 92, verse 15, the Lord is just, he is my rock, there is no evil in him. As you can see, according to God's word, God is only good. Let's continue. Psalms chapter 25, verse 8, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs. I underlined those words for us. He instructs sinners. In the way, He instructs us towards goodness. Listen to 1 John chapter 5. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. I share this because the argument that the existence of evil disproves the existence of God doesn't hold water. It just doesn't. How do I even know what is evil without the existence of God? Did you catch that? How do I even know what is evil without the existence of God? Why wouldn't I just be like the lion who just, hey, there's a gazelle. Hey, I'm going to go over there and get that gazelle. With no, with no, it's like me, you know, it's like, there's a spider, okay. But there's something in us in human nature with loving one another, loving God, loving others. There's something that God has put in our heart to understand morality and goodness and love. It's not the survival of the fittest. God is directing us a different way. And I finish with this thought in which we began. Why does God allow evil and suffering to exist? Tough question. Why did God create us in the first place if God knew the potential of, ev- of the evil that's infiltrating the world? Why even start? It's kind of like you're going to build something, and you, even before you start building it, you know that there's things that are going to come against it. Well, then why even start building something if you know it's, it's going to be really, really difficult? Unless you really love it, unless you really see the potential unless you really understand how great it could be as for me guess what i am super glad that god chose to create me i'm glad i have breath i'm glad that i have life i'm glad that i'm married i'm glad that i have a family i'm glad that i pastor this church i'm glad to have a choice do you know what i'm saying Think about the awesome opportunity. Amid our choice, we also have to recognize that God is still sovereign. And we don't understand everything. We don't understand why certain things happen. I don't understand why Pastor Paul passed away. I don't get it. But God is sovereign. We might not understand everything about how the how, the when, or the why God has done what he has done. But we must believe and trust in God's sovereignty. And when you think about this thought. The opportunity would have little meaning, this opportunity to live, if we had no choice. If it was just forced upon us. Would we, would we always wonder about our options, what they could have been? If I had to make a decision, if we have never known evil, would we have wondered what it must, what it would have been like? Where are you going, Pastor Tom? We know Adam and Eve wondered about the option. Because you got to remember, when they were in the garden, it was only goodness. I believe in, this is just me, My, this is not just personal opinion. I believe God knew without the choice to choose between right and wrong, our fulfillment would be lacking. God has given all of us the right to freely choose between good and evil. Adam and Eve were given that choice. Listen to Genesis chapter 2. It says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you are are sure to die. They were were allowed to eat from the tree of life, but not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Follow this along. God warned Adam and Eve of the consequences. You see, at this point, all Adam and Eve knew was good. That's all they knew. But but good didn't seem to have meaning. Catch this. I know we're going, whoo, Pastor Tommy, where are you taking me? Good didn't seem to have meaning until they experienced evil. One day when the serpent, all of a sudden, who was Satan, a fallen angel from heaven, all of a sudden he comes into the garden and he tempts Eve. Why don't you eat from the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, basically is what he said. and, And paraphrasing what Eve replied to the serpent, because God told us not to. He said, if we did, we would die. And listen to the serpent's lie. The reply back to Eve. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. You see, it's important that we understand that man chose to know both good and evil. Why was Satan allowed to tempt Adam and Eve? I don't know for sure, but this thought comes to mind. Can we truly understand love without choice? If we're not given choice, God gave choice. Could we really understand love if we don't have choice? Sometimes suffering is the result of wrong choices, and sometimes suffering is the result of the evil in this world. Either way, guess what? Suffering and evil helps us to better recognize what is good. I don't promote evil. I don't promote suffering. But without it, could I recognize how great and good God is? And for me, guess what? I am looking forward to the day when there is no more suffering. I'm looking forward to the day where I can call heaven my home. I'm looking for the day where we can be whole and complete and not be worried about anything and not be worried about who sits in the president's office and not be worried about, you know, what's on television. All that is gone and and away because everything is good. I'm looking. And why do I look so forward to it? Because I understand what suffering is all about. I understand what evil can do in people's lives. Suffering and evil come help us recognize what is good. I know it doesn't sound pleasant, especially if you've been on the difficult side of suffering, if you've experienced that suffering. But after Adam and Eve sinned, they recognized the clear difference between good and evil. They long for the days of the garden, they long for those times. See, we need to have that longing. Just like Adam and Eve long for the time to be back in the garden, we need to have that longing in our hearts for the time of heaven. Because when we have that longing for that time of heaven, guess what? It will help us to walk through the suffering and the difficulties of this life. And maybe even the complacency that we have here in Orange County at times because things are so good. We need to be reminded that, hey, this is not home. Our home is in heaven. The suffering that the apostle Paul endured, he did so with the knowledge that one day he would experience only the goodness of God. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 21 and 22, verses 21 and 22. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. God never intended to leave us without a choice. God has given us a choice through his son, Jesus Christ. But here's the key: it's your choice. Do you choose to follow it? God gave us a choice. I close with words from Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. I don't have, I'm not gonna have them on the screen. If you're, if you're that person that just has to have them in front of you, then Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 through 7, write it down. You can go home and read it, or you can open it up now. My preference right now, if you're watching this online, if you're here, I'd like for you just to listen to the words. I want them to just jump into your heart because it's a promise for all of us who have ever experienced evil. For all of us who have ever experienced suffering. For all of us who have ever experienced being wrong. For all of us who ever experienced things that have come against us. Listen to this promise that God gives us in His Word. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth has disappeared and the sea was also gone and I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband you husbands you remember when your bride first walked down that aisle I heard a loud shout from the throne saying look God's home is now among his people he will live with them and they will be his people God himself Will be with them, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these, all oh, catches, all these are gone forever. Not temporary, they're gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am Jesus, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all the blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Our blessed hope is in Jesus Christ. Heaven is the home that we await. And I share this because sometimes we struggle with the suffering in this world. If God exists, if God is really truly God, why does God allow suffering? Why does God allow evil? Well, God is sovereign. And I just really truly believe that God knows that we are a people that we have to have something to look towards. And this here shows us the difference between good and evil. And my life is heading towards heaven. How many want to join me today to go that direction now? Yeah, okay. I want to see who I, any hands that don't lift up, I want to see who I have to pray for this week. So, online, do you want to join me? Yeah. Yeah. See, our hope is not in this world. When difficult times, it's not saying not to make light of suffering. It's... but don't allow suffering or the pain of this world to think that God does not exist he knows he knows who you are he suffered himself what other God has ever came to earth and took on human flesh and was willing to die for the sins of all mankind see whatever God was starting to create in, in knowing that there's going to be difficulties but this is going to be great See, there's something great that wants, God wants to do in your life. You just have to be willing to surrender to him and say, yeah, Lord, I put my trust in you, and I choose to follow you this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that your word, it is powerful, and it is life-changing. I pray today, God, that for every person here, for those who maybe have suffered in the past, and they've just gotten I've always wondered why, for those maybe who are going through suffering and difficulties right now, they're going through struggles as we speak and they're, they're making the question, why, Lord? I pray right now that you would set into their hearts, which you've already done, but just awaken to their hearts, Lord God, that that seed of eternity that you've planted in each one of us. Help us, Lord, to understand that this is not our eternal home. Lord, our eternal home is, is in you, in your presence forever. And for those who have struggled with suffering, God, I pray right now, as your word shares so much, Lord God, that you will comfort them by your spirit. I pray, God, as they draw near to you, you will draw near to them, that you will bring comfort into their heart and into their lives. But God, I pray that suffering and evil of this world does not, does not distract us from you. But God, it just makes it all more clear. That we have a purpose and we have a plan as we've been set on this planet, and that is to share the light and the goodness of God to everyone that we see. Let us be that, Lord God. Move in our hearts and our lives today. In Jesus' wonderful name. Everybody said? Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast, because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources.